Hey folks, thanks for joining us today. I am Kenneth Burke and today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Ashley Hardaway and she is a grief counselor with IC Life Support, which is both a uh, counseling practice and uh, a mobile app for a community of grievers. So Ashley, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here with you today. First question is, is the, how'd you get here? You know, was there was there a particular event that happened or a situation that occurred um, that made you think grief counseling is something I want to go into? Um, so I've always, just growing up, I've always been in ministry. So just the gift and the art of helping people and restoring people, building people, that's kind of always been part of my story. And um, specifically what got me here in 2013, my first cousin, who was more like a brother, passed away very unexpectedly at the age of 33. And um, the grief that I felt and all of the symptoms and um, just all of the many thoughts that were so foreign to me became very familiar. Um, then in 2015, my father passed and um, I actually attempted to revive my father. So uh, my grieving process was very messy. It was very, very dark. And just being a minister and being in ministry, me getting that low in life, I realized there are so many people out there who may not have the foundation that I had or who just may not have the resources that I can come up with. And I'm going to have to use my experience to help them. So those losses, my first cousin and my father is what actually brought me to this point, realizing that I wanted to actually focus on grief and walk with people on their journey. How do you think of grief as separate from sadness or a period of depression? Or what is it that makes it unique where it's something that you can put your full-time energy and effort into helping people with? Um, so as a grief recovery specialist um, and the grief recovery method, one of the definitions that we use to describe grief or to define grief is it's a natural process. So every individual at some point in time in their life is going to be faced with something that is going to cause them to grieve. Um, grief in itself, um, most people just think about someone dying or maybe a divorce, but there are over 40 different types of grief. Um, and those losses can be <clears throat> tangible or intangible. So anything in life that we experience that causes us uh, to feel loss or low, that's going to be described as grief. And from there, you have different symptoms that can come into place when you are grieving. And a symptom could possibly be depression. And so grief is going to be that natural process that we feel at some point in time in our life, multiple times in our life. Um, depression, things of that nature, those are going to be the symptoms that can come along with the grieving process. So when you say, when you're talking about natural, it, it makes me think of, of normal or normalizing it. Is that a conversation you have with people about, Hey, this is just, this is a normal thing uh, to get through and here's how we can get through it. Or how do you approach that? Um, I definitely want to be very sensitive 
um, especially as it pertains to maybe things that they have, have been taught in the past. Um, again, although grief is so normal and it's natural um, because people grieve every day, all day, death and losses and how we actually walk through those processes, those aren't things that are talked about as openly. So although it is something that is normal, um, it's still very foreign to so many people. So having the conversation of this is normal and this is natural and this is the method that we can go about getting you back to where you were. Um, it's a conversation that I actually do enjoy having. I can imagine it would be, I mean, you're talking, you're talking about, about grief all day. These are, these are very tough, often traumatic circumstances what keeps you going? I mean, what keeps you motivated to keep helping people in this way or, or make you want to, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing? So again, growing up in ministry, my purpose in life has always been helping people, pouring into people, um, restoring people, helping people find their purpose and their passion and helping them get over those hurdles. So this goes hand in hand with ministry. Um, although not everyone that I speak with claims to be a Christian, so that may not actually be a conversation that we have openly, but the art of it all is still very much ministry. And it is me in my purpose, helping restore these individuals who need it. Particularly with youth or with younger people, what do you see are some of the more common barriers or common challenges for them to work through? I'll use the term um, accessibility. I'll use the two terms, actually, accessibility and then demonstration. I was in education for nine years. So, and I've always worked with kids all of my life. So one of the things that I learned is that kids will do what they see. And so when a, a a student or a child watches me be respectful and loving, it's going to be easier for them to pick up on that. And so there is this huge stigma that surrounds professional help and getting help as it pertains to mental health. And I think one of the things just us as adults demonstrating, hey, it's okay to go and get this help that you need. It's okay to call on these individuals who have knowledge, who can give you practical skills and knowledge and uh, mechanisms and almost a blueprint to get you from point A to point B. So one, us demonstrating that to children and then making it accessible to kids. I worked in a Title I school, so we did have counselors who would come in, but I also saw how many students just did not have that accessibility. They weren't able to get that help that they needed. So I would say demonstration as demonstrating for uh, kids and then um, accessibility. How, how do you start to overcome accessibility? Is that more of bringing counselors into, into schools or, or bringing, I guess, the resources to where the people already are? Or are there other pieces that are missing that we, we all need to be cognizant of? Um, I will say there are probably so many pieces that we really each just need to be very cognizant. Um, of course, there is a divide and there is a barrier. And that's just in general, because there is a huge stigma. But I do believe that 
every individual who cares about, you know, the mental health and, and restoring, counseling, um, pushing people forward, just to be able to come together and have a conversation to really come up with um, opportunities to help with that divide. I don't, I, I, I wish that there was just one solid answer, but um, I do think, of course, bringing more counselors in and then also just finding maybe some neutral spaces to where the mental health professionals can meet with families and things of that nature. Regarding the, the accessibility and creating the spaces, are, are there any that you in particular are, are a fan of or that, that you help, sorry, excuse me, that you use with your, the people you work with? Um, so one of the things that I tried to do right off the bat was form partnerships with different organizations. Um, one, just to let them know, hey, you know, I'm available. This is the work that I do. In most cases, like our YMCA, for instance, I know that they partner with a lot of different practices. Um, and again, with me also being an educator, I kind of had, I had that history with children and uh, just being able to break through some of those walls that they may have for whatever reason. So me also coming from the perspective of, hey, I also have some history to where I could help maybe some of these troubled teens or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm here. Here's my information. Um, and I found that out that just letting some of the hospitals know and um, YMCA and, and different places like that, just letting them know that I was available was very beneficial to them and just knowing that I would be there if they needed me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What I'm sure each situation is, is unique. Can you give a little bit of insight into the process that you help people through that you and other grief counselors help people through? Um, so what I use, and my title is a grief recovery specialist. And so the work that I do isn't I wouldn't technically be called a counselor or a therapist. Um, the work is therapeutic, but what we use, we use an educational curriculum and it's called the grief recovery method. And one of the things that really piqued my interest initially before going through training um, was I had never really seen the term grief and recovery put together. And so seeing this initially just piqued my interest and I did some research. And so I found out that the individuals who actually created the Grief Recovery Institute were individuals who suffered major loss and they were looking for um, self-help books and individuals to help them progress in their process. And they really couldn't find anyone to give them what they needed. So they created what is called the Grief Recovery Institute and the Grief Recovery Method. So I find out exactly where this individual is. And we have, not only do we have different programs, but we also have different um, exercises and activities that we will do to help one person um, basically identify the trauma or the loss, whatever it is that they're, they're, they're dealing with. Um, help them to identify if it's actual individuals and the relationships. So two of the things that we do that are so beneficial, we have what's called a relationship graph. 
And then we also have a loss history graph. And so what this does is it allows the individual to put down on paper and put down in front of them their history of loss and their history of relationships. And so you're able to kind of pinpoint some things and really go beneath the surface of these are the surface issues, but this is the actual problem that surfaced could have been, could be years ago. Um, but we definitely, we get beneath the surface, we find the issue, and then we develop a plan for recovery. That sounds like a pretty good, pretty good tailored approach for everyone. I'm trying to wrap my own mind around it because it, things can be so complicated here, but what, what aren't we as, as a community, um, our society as individual specialists doing that we could be or should be doing to help people through this process? I think one of the things that we lack as a whole is just empathy. And empathy is one of those terms that you can use in any and every situation there is. When we are empathetic, we will stop and we'll take the time to ask someone how they are doing and ask someone how they're dealing with the loss of a husband, a wife, a child, um, a pet. So when we are empathetic, I believe that we will be more prone to take time and to be intentional about it. Um, and I, I think now we just don't really have, everyone just doesn't have the knowledge Everyone doesn't have empathy. And because death and loss is so uncomfortable, most people don't really know what to do or say, so they just don't do or say anything at all. So just giving intentional attention to people and what they go through, I believe, is, is one of the main starts. And it sounds like in, being intentional is flowing through this, this whole conversation of, um, you, you need to give individuals intentional um, help for their specific situation. You need to be, mm -hmm. we need to be intentional as people looking out for opportunities um, to create more accessibility, to uh, demonstrate that going through, um, you know, that seeking help is okay and beneficial. Um, and then being intentional to ask someone, how are you doing? You know, this, this is tough. I might mm -hmm. myself not understand what's going on, but um, I can at least be here to support you in what, whatever way I can or possibly help, you know, maybe I, I know a grief specialist that I can mm -hmm. connect you with. Is, is I, am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, and then you're the expert here. What, what haven't we talked about that really needs to be brought up in this conversation? Um, I just really want to reiterate on the fact that just us as adults, especially to the younger generation, and then also to a, a couple of generations older than us, us showing that it is okay. One, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to make that, uh, to express that truth. Um, and then it's also okay to lean on other people to help you through whatever it is that you're going through. Um, <clears throat> from babies, we're taught basically, you know, if you're going to cry, go in your room and cry. So we're taught these uh, 
dysfunctional patterns of dealing with our emotions, not on purpose, but there are things that could make us feel more comfortable or that parents may think will make their kids feel more comfortable. And so from a young age, we're just taught dysfunctional patterns of dealing with our emotions. So just reiterating that as a whole person, you want to focus on, you know, your, your mental space and your emotional space, and you want that to be just as healthy as your physical body and going to someone to help them help you or to allow them to help you. Um, it's just one of the most amazing and most beautiful transformations and um, choices that we can make in life. Uh, I often see people not taking their mental health as a priority. Um, it's really easy to say this is just part of it or just be uh, almost go through the motions, but to not, mm -hmm. I guess, I suppose not be intentional about it. Do you have a recommendation for how people can focus on their mental health on the whole person and, you know, kind of pull back to say, this is what I need to, to focus on for myself. Taking the time to identify what you are thinking and what you're feeling throughout the day. Um, we weren't put here on the earth to feel rage or sadness or frustration or anger. Those aren't emotions that we're supposed to feel all the time so often so taking the time to identify what we're thinking about and how we're feeling throughout the day can be a good indication of maybe finding someone who could help us um, or saying hey I think I'm you know I'm in a pretty good space so if you're at all um, feeling any emotion that makes you feel negative or low or um, any type of physical jitters, that will be an indication to know like, hey, there may be some things I'm trying to suppress or trying to ignore that I, I need some help with. Ashley, I'm, I'm sure after listening to this, a lot of people are going to have questions that are, that they're going to want to reach out to you or maybe uh, share some of your story with someone else. How can they connect with you? How can they ask those questions or, or even get involved with your, your app community? Um. Anyone that may want the app, the app is free and can be downloaded. Um, Apple, Google Play, um, I period C period life support. That is I C life support. They can also type in my first and last name, Ashley Hardaway. And they can also visit my website, ashleypage.net. I see life support also has um, a Facebook and an Instagram page so they can find us there. I period C period life support. Um, and my personal Facebook page is Ashley Espy is my married name E S P E Y. Um, and we could connect there. Any questions that they may have, they could shoot a message um, or shoot some information through on the website as well. Well, Ashley, thank you again so much for your time and advice here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.